Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Uh, we had a great time the last couple of weeks. Um, my family, my wife and I actually led a great team of people to Israel, the Holy Land. Amazing. Hope everybody gets a chance to go in the future. We will have more. And so while we were out, did you enjoy those that were here? Did you enjoy um, our guide Rami bringing the word that Sunday on the Mount uh, of Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount? He was, he's amazing, super passionate, super intense. He's like that all the time on the bus. We're like, dude, sit down. It's okay. We'll be all right. And he's just so full of energy and loves what he does. It's really amazing as he makes the Bible come alive. So I hope that you enjoy that. And then last week, we had a great weekend, Friday night and Sunday with Daniel Eric Groves. Love his gift coming and bringing a blessing to us so many ways. And so that's a great thing. So I've been ready. I've been chomping at the bit. I've been out for two weeks. And so this morning I'm thinking about, okay, Lord, well, actually this week I've been praying, what what do you want me to bring? Because we're kind of going to start a series next week. I finished one up before I went to Israel. We had Israel time and then we had Daniel Eric Groves. And I really felt God just really dropped something in my heart. Really, it comes from my trip. And so I want to just share a couple things with you this morning that I really felt that just got impressed upon my heart while we were over in Israel and walking where Jesus walked and hearing the context of all the great stories and allowing his life in the Bible to come alive. And when I, when I realized there, it's my second time, but I realized there, everything we see from Old Testament moments to New Testament moments, everything points to the priority of the life of Jesus, and that is people, the most important thing to Jesus. Everything he did, everything he experienced, everything the Old Testament was a foreshadowing of, and everything Jesus, it was illustrating how much he loves humanity. I mean, every aspect of it just comes along. It's amazing the different experiences and how they all can relate to the love God has for people and the life that Jesus lived to reach people. And so uh, the other part of that would be the second thing I really realized is that Jesus was constantly telling his followers, number one, people are most important and meeting the needs and being a blessing to people more so than rituals or whatever that is. And then it's not an easy walk, but it's worth it. And he was challenging his disciples to understand there's going to be tough times, but listen, it's worth it. Keep things in perspective. Get your priorities straight. And I really walked away with that. And I want to share some of that with you this morning. But as I'm looking at and asking God, God, what, what, what do you want from me as a, as a man, as a pastor, as a husband, as a dad? What do you want from me in my life? And I really just keep think, hearing this resonate in me, just my priorities to be God's priorities. Line my life up with his life because it was so clear for me over there that I need to be living a life that reflects and represents the life, love, and power of Jesus. Therefore, having my priorities be the, be the same priorities that God has. Because let's just be honest, they're not always that way. If we're looking at life and we're prioritizing things, what is most important to you? What are you, what are you most interested in? What are you most about? We'd have a lot of different answers. And some of us would answer in a way that would reflect God, but maybe our actions don't line up with that. And so I think, you know, I'm a person of very limited, very limited, let me say it this way, God is unlimited, isn't he? He loves everyone all the time, every time, everywhere. God is unlimited. However, I am limited in my ability, my resources, my ability, my energy. And so I need to be on point. So if I have finite resources, if you will, or finite energy, I need to find out what God's most interested in and get in line with that because typically we're trying to convince God that our priority is the right priority (laughs) and it doesn't work that way. You know, this morning I was thinking our time of praise and worship, didn't you enjoy that time? Really felt the presence of God, amen? I mean, you just clearly could feel that tangible presence of God. And it was almost like you, we don't gauge or measure, measure the presence of God. Or it doesn't 
come in based upon our feelings or emotions just because we want it to happen or whatever. We got goosebumps. The presence of the Lord is here because I have goosebumps today. You know, it doesn't work that way. Can I tell you that I know that to be true because when my wife listens to Kenny Chesney, she gets goosebumps. I mean, just like, like, I'm trying to learn how to sing like he sings, but nonetheless, it's not emotions or moments. Here's what I believe happened in that moment. We got our priority in line with God and he's number one. Amen that we put aside everything else that we walked in with today, our wants or desires, and we stepped into a place that all of a sudden, he became the priority in life. And in that moment, then you feel the presence of God. How do you know that you're walking with the presence and power of God? Because you're in line with his line. (laughs) You're in alignment with what he has for you. And so I'm wrestling with this idea as I'm seeing everything unfold in Israel and hearing the stories that I love and and seeing them all come alive and coming back here to share today. I really felt that I want to take a few moments this morning and really just challenge you, encourage you in finding out what is most important. And obviously, when it comes to the things of God, it is people. Let me say it this way. You, you are important. You are the most important thing to God. And everything he does, everything he has, everything he, he, he moves and works on the planet is because of you, for you, and for those that don't know him yet. And so I want to share this morning out of Mark 5. I'm thinking about this passage of scripture, and, and this, this passage is one of my favorite places to study in the word of God. <clears throat> and I'm realizing some things, the older I get, you know, as I'm looking in the word, the word, different things come out to me, and I, and I understand that, and my priorities change. You know, as you get older, your priorities change. I celebrated 51 years as we were in Israel. It was, it was amazing to celebrate my birthday there. But here's what I understand. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Hoping for a whole lot more. And here's the thing that that I really realize is the older I get, my priorities, the the priorities in life can change because culture changes, time changes. God's doing different things. He's not, can I tell you this? He's not doing the same thing today that he was 10 years ago. (laughs) That's why as a church, we want the church priorities to be God's priorities. We want to do it the way God wants it done. So we got to change and, and be in line with what he's trying to do. And so I'm looking at the scriptures in a way that helps reflect, I think, the, the, the priority that God has to help illustrate what's most important. And I'm wondering, as, Pete, as we see the scripture, really a Mark, actually Mark 5, as Mark, one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one of the four writers of the gospels inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's writing things that he felt the Holy Spirit had put in his heart to write, expressing what's most important to God. Because understand, everywhere you look in the scripture where Jesus went, he healed, the Bible says, except for one place, his own hometown, he healed all that were sick. And so I'm looking at a lot of miracles in the Bible, but I know in three years and I'm walking where Jesus walked and seen all this, he had a whole lot more miracles than ever could be expressed in the Bible. So what he does talk about is extremely important. And let me say it this way, because how could you count less another miracle than the miracles that you see. In other words, he healed, no, countless ears were open, countless eyes were open, and yet he spoke of only a few things in scripture, gave us illustrations through that. I think, again, therefore, what we see in the Bible, we need to really dig into, and it really helps show the Father's heart. In this particular passage, I believe it shows the importance that God has for you and I. I can't imagine what ended up on the cutting room floor. Right? You know, there's like, well, what about, no, Holy Spirit's like, no, not that one. Well, how about over here? We are, no, not that one. And so I love what we look at in the scripture in a way through a lens that God is showing something really special and specific to us. Here's what I also learned in Israel. Everything we went, everywhere we went rather than everything we saw, it wasn't about the what happened there, but why did it happen? And that's interesting to you and I because I think we celebrate these miracles and we're trying to find formulas or trying to find things to set ourselves up to position ourselves to do these things. But listen, if we miss, if we get anything rather, and we don't want to miss it, God's all about the why more than the what. In fact, he changes the what all the time. 
So understand, why does God do what he does? Why did Jesus come and do what he did? And it's because of you. And I want to encourage you in that this morning. And when we look at this passage of scripture, I think we have a powerful illustration that shows us not just the what as we'll celebrate it today, but really I hope shows us the why. Because I want us to understand that it's important for us to know the why. Because I think when we know the why, we can get in line with the priorities of God. Because the what's to you and I are subjective. I wouldn't do it that way. I just wouldn't do it that way. Okay, I get the why. Okay, I'm with you on that one. And so for you and I to yield or surrender to the priorities of God and to find out what is truly most important. So let's take a look here. And let me start with verse one, Mark five, verse one. Here we go. They went across the lake. This is Jesus and his disciples. They went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with impure spirit uh, came to him, uh, came from the tombs rather to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one, say no one. It's important. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one, say no one. No one was strong enough to subdue him up to this point. And I love how the Holy Spirit inspired Mark to write this because he leaves us with kind of like a little foreshadowing. I mean, you could almost really know what's coming, right? I mean, isn't it great the way the Holy Spirit sets up that, that no one could help this man, nothing could restrain him, there's no way they could contain him, there's no way they can control him, but that's because he hadn't met Jesus yet. <laughs> and it's really setting it up from the time when Jesus is going to show up on the scene, because can I tell you, Jesus is power enough to do anything. He's powerful. He's more than enough to do anything and everything. And the only reason that hasn't happened yet is because Jesus hadn't come on the scene And here's people in this man's life that are trying to control him, trying to constrain him, in a sense, trying to help him, if you will, because his life was out of control, but man could not do it, but God, but God, because that man was so important that Jesus came to find that man and set him free. And I love that picture. You are so important that you thought that you had done too much. You thought that there's no help that you could receive. You thought it's too late. You thought you're too far gone. You thought you had done enough too long. Can I tell you, it's just because you need another encounter with Jesus. You need another opportunity. Why? Because you're so important that he came to do what nobody else could do, to do what no other power on earth could do. Jesus came. And I love that picture. This is a man who's in this moment. He has nothing left, nothing left he could do. And yet Jesus comes on the scene. This is setting us up for a miracle. And when there's a situation that no one can do anything about, can I tell you, there is still hope. It doesn't matter how difficult it's been. It doesn't matter what you've already done. And can I tell you, with this, we all have those moments. I mean, if we're just honest, we all have had or having, or will have those moments. And in those moments where we might say, there's no one and nothing, we want a God that is powerful. We want a savior that is strong enough. Can I tell you, in those moments of my life, I don't want the little refrigerator magnet Jesus. Come on, I'm not looking for the puny, pale, emaciated, hand with a cramp, right, Jesus. Looks like he's sad or depressed all the time. I'm not looking for the Jesus that's the the bobblehead on the dashboard. I'm not looking for the Jesus that is holding the sheep in his hand and petting him. I'm not looking for Jesus that's seated, that has a little bouncing baby on his lap. I'm looking for the right hand of God. I'm looking for the power of God to come in my situation that no one else could do anything about, no one else could help me about to come in and change my life. You are that important to God. And this man was. And so Jesus shows up. 
We want a strong savior with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. It goes on to say this, night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell at his feet in front of him. Listen to this picture here. As you, if you can imagine with me in that moment, as you were on the video, we were on the video, we we're on the top of the Mount of Beatitudes and we were looking out over the whole area, the region of the Sea of Galilee where all this takes place. Jesus' headquarters was there in the Sea of Galilee area in Capernaum and he would travel out of there to do a lot of his ministry. And in this place, if you can picture with me, you can see rolling hills that lead down to the lake. And understand many times when Jesus talked on the, Mount, the Sermon on the Mount, our crowds would gather the way that the landscape was created by God was just a natural amplifier. They didn't have a sound system to set up. And Jesus would stand at the, mount, the top of the Mount of Beatitudes where we were, and he would speak like I'm speaking, and thousands of people could hear him down below. Or you could reverse it and get down below and speak like an amphitheater, and people would hear. Or when Jesus would get in the boat and he would speak and over the lake, over the water, it would carry the sound. Is it possible, maybe it's just possible, that this man, as he would cry out, to, cry out day and night in the hills, just maybe when Jesus would get away to a solitary place early in the morning and no one else was up but Jesus, just maybe he heard this man crying out. Just maybe at night one time when he went and he went to, to himself to pray and everyone's asleep, just maybe he heard this man's cries carried out over the hills or over the water. And just maybe Jesus heard his plight and then Jesus said, that man is important enough and I'm leaving everything I am and I'm getting in a boat to go meet him. Just maybe at night when no one else sees, God hears your cry. Just maybe in the day when you think you're all alone and nobody cares, God hears your cry. He sees your tears. Just maybe when you find a solitary place to be by yourself and you sit down in discouragement and in despair, God hears your voice and that's the day Jesus decides, I'm going to see them. Today's today, Jesus said, I'm going to meet with them. Just maybe. Why? Because you are important. So I don't believe that you're here by accident. This is the day Jesus decided to meet you because he heard your cry. Because you're important. And so Jesus shows up and the man comes and kneels at his feet and he fell on his knees in front of him. And he says, and he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me? Jesus, son of the most high God. In God's name, don't torture me. We need to go a little bit further to understand who's speaking here. Well, when you talk about who's speaking, I thought the man was speaking. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. So Jesus isn't speaking to the man as to the man's situation. See, Jesus, had, Jesus came on the scene. The man recognized him or the situation. Can I tell you, the devils know Jesus and the demons know Jesus. And they're afraid of him. Because at this point in time, there's no one, nobody, nothing that could free this man, and all of a sudden, the demons are confronted with the one who can. And so they're bound, they're afraid of him, hey, what are you here to do? Don't torture us. And so Jesus says this, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And then Jesus asks, what is your name? The next verse says, or this verse continues, my name is Legion, he replied. Here's what I find fascinating about this interaction with Jesus and this man. This man shows up and what he speaks out of when Jesus, you know what Jesus knows, Jesus knows everything. He's 100% God, 100% man. Jesus wasn't asking this man for information. Jesus was asking this man to identify where he was. And so this man wasn't actually even speaking, it was the situation speaking. And so when the situation came before Jesus, before God, the only man that could do anything, immediately what responded and spoke was the situation. Can I tell you, that's not far-fetched from you and I, because maybe even this morning, when you came in that moment of entering into praise and worship, and you felt the presence of God, and you wanted to raise your hand, instead of surrendering and making him your priority, maybe your situation spoke instead of you speaking. Yeah. 
See, because here's what happened when we live our life a certain way and we all have these issues and we all wrestle with these things in our life. If they're alive in us enough, they become part of us and we no longer identify with who we are or whose we are. We identify with what we've done. And so this man wasn't speaking out of who he was or whose he was. He was speaking out of what he did. Can I tell you what you do will speak louder if you don't stop it? I mean, for you and I, Jesus could walk up to us and say, hey, what's your name? Well, come on, you know my name. It's Don. And you know probably what, in a sense, what we would respond? We wouldn't respond, I'm Don. We would respond, I'm an addict. I'm broken. I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. I've been abused. I'm an abuser. abuser. I'm an adulterer. I'm a cheat. Why? Because that's what we've allowed in our life. Those are the chains and bondages on our life. But because we're so important, Jesus comes to remind us of who we are because we've been living out of what we've done and not who we are. You're important. He's more concerned about who you are, not what you've done. What's most important? Who you are, not what you've done. And oh, we'll just get that revelation. Let's not speak to God out of what we've done. Let's speak to him out of who we are. So Jesus comes to remind the guy, but here's what's interesting in this moment. This guy, he's a Gentile. See, in this area, Gentiles were living there. We know from the story, the story goes on to talk about they had 2,000 pigs in a herd. Well, Jews don't eat or associate with that. And so here's a place, and here's a man totally outside of, of the area of ministry that Jesus was ministering to, but yet he was so important that Jesus went to find him to remind him of who he is, that he's concerned more, he cares more about who he is, not what he's done. And I love that picture. My name is Legion, for we are many, and he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of this area. You know what? The enemy will fight for you. We talk about Jesus fighting for us. You know the enemy will fight for you? If the enemy has ownership, he doesn't want to lose ownership, he doesn't want to lose territory, don't think he's going to go quietly into the night. That's why you need the power of God, the only one that can come and change. When the devil was confronted with the one who had real power, then he was not trying to stay. He was trying to find another way. Don't try to negotiate with the enemy. He's a whole lot smarter than you are. He's a lot smarter than I am. But listen, the enemy's not going to go without a fight. He doesn't want to relinquish ownership. He doesn't want to relinquish control. And a large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside nearby. As the demon begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. We can't stay here because you have more power. You're the only one that has had more power. So allow us to go into them. And Jesus gave them permission. Okay. And the impure spirits came out and went, and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in a town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Interesting. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told them about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. They weren't embracing Jesus for the miracle or the work that he's done. Listen, what's interesting to me here is these people were more concerned about the pigs than the man. Can I tell you, the world that we love and walk in and look for help is not concerned about you. They're concerned about things. Where we go and run to and try and find our help, we run from God. We run to everything else but God. That's why we stay in change and bondages because we want the world's approval or, or care more about the world's opinion than God's opinion. See, these people were more concerned about the pigs or things or material things. The world is always more concerned about things than people. But can I tell you what's most important to God is people. 
You are most important. There is no price. 2,000 pigs at this time, back in this day, this area is where they raise pigs. It equates about today about $2 million. Can I tell you, there is no price that God would not pay, did not pay for you. Jesus paid the highest price possible. Why? Because you're important. The world always has a price. We'll always do so much, go so far, and then it's not worth it in their eyes. That's why we need God's priority, not our priority. We don't need to evaluate it ourselves. We'll get to that in a second. In fact, to go on with the story, really, for me to finish out the story, I need to go backwards. I need to go to the chapter before because understand, man put breaks in chapters. Man and put punctuation and break up scriptures and thoughts. But see, it wasn't written that way. Man did so we could understand it or comprehend it maybe a little bit better, perhaps not, but, but read it a little easier. Because really, this story goes back to chapter four, if you'll turn back to chapter four, where Jesus had been teaching and preaching in this area. And the Bible says he taught many parables and many were healed and he did many things. And then here's what he said in verse 35. And this is one story. We need this story because here's what happens. We typically teach. I will teach. Others will teach. These are separate stories, but really these are one story. He says this in Mark 4, 35. He tells to his disciples that that day when evening came, that day, the same day, the same story, he said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. He did not tell his disciples why he wanted to go to the other side. He just said, let us go to the other side. And I think it's important for us to get to a place of just obedience to God. Because here's what our human nature wants to do. We want to know why is that a priority, God? Because then we want to evaluate it based on our sets of values or priorities and then see if we think it's worth it or not. And let's just be quite honest. There's a lot of things that, do, that God wants us to do in life. We don't see the value in it, but we don't think like God thinks. We don't have thoughts like his thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And so we need to be at a place like these disciples that when Jesus says and calls us or God says and we go, we need to be people of obedience. You don't need to know the why. You need to know the you don't need to know the why. You need to know what God is asking of you and then to be obedient. Oh, to be people that would just obey the voice of God, get our priorities in line with his priorities, see what's most important through his eyes instead of our own eyes, and just be obedient. But let me tell you something here is what happens when you're obedient to the things of God. God's gonna call you out of your place of comfort because where Jesus is at right now is the place called Capernaum. And Capernaum was his headquarters. He headquartered, he traveled around that Galilee region out of that place. And when he said, let's go to the other side, basically what he was saying is, let's leave Capernaum and go over here. They didn't know that there was somebody that was important on the other side. They were just being obedient to Jesus. But understand the word Capernaum comes from the name Nahum, and Nahum means comfort. In other words, Jesus was saying, let's leave our place of comfort because that man is a priority. Let's leave our place of comfort because he's worth it. Let's leave our place of comfort and go out there and get that man. Now, they didn't know all that, but let me say this to you and I. If we're going to get our priorities in line with God's priorities, which we need to, he's always going to pull you out of your comfort zone and ask you to cross over. He's always going to pull you out of your comfort zone and ask you to cross over to your calling. But here's what happens, because as we know the story, if you were to read the rest of this, we won't for time's sake. When they got in the boat to the other side, a big storm came, a big storm and blew and beat against the boat where they thought it was going to go down. And they woke Jesus up to rebuke the wind and the waves. Now, I've taught that many times. In fact, it's probably my most favorite passage of scripture to teach, but I've seen it through different eyes today because it really wasn't about the people in the boat. And I teach it that way and their lack of faith. It really wasn't about Jesus, if you will. It was about that man because this is a story that leads to the man. See, remember that this is chapter five with the man and chapter four, they hadn't even seen the man yet. The man hadn't even seen Jesus yet. 
And then it says, all of a sudden, a storm blew in. And I've heard people say this, well, God brought the storm in so these disciples could learn about their faith or where their faith is at. And can I tell you, I don't believe that at all because here's what I know about Jesus. Jesus would never rebuke what God did. Oh, but God brought the storm down there so they could learn where they were at with faith, but they didn't have any faith. Listen, Jesus isn't gonna rebuke what God does. So the storm was there to be a barrier. The storm, the conflict came to keep Jesus from getting to that man. Can I tell you, when you step out in obedience and leave your comfort zone and cross over to your calling, the enemy will always bring conflict to keep you from fulfilling what God wants you to do and fulfill. Always. And let me say this. That's why so many people are content to live in their comfort zone. It's true. It's sad, but true. Thank God somebody didn't live in their comfort zone when Jesus came looking for me. Thank God I was important enough to him and those following him that they found me. See, if you live in your comfort zone, you'll never fulfill your calling. But when you step out into obedience to cross over, the enemy will always bring conflict. But that person is so important that Jesus pushed through the storm to get to that man. Jesus pushed through the storm to get to you. You know, your whole life, God has had a call on your whole life, and that's why you wonder why it's all these things are happening. It's like storm after storm, can I tell you? It's because you're dangerous to the enemy when you're out of your comfort zone. It's because he wants to keep you from getting to the place God wants you. He wants to keep you from getting to your calling. In fact, for some of you, you, you faced a great storm just to get here today. But God has something so great for you, the enemy sent conflict to keep you from getting here today and have an encounter with God because you are important to God. See, the things that are important to God, the enemy wants to disrupt. See, and that just makes sense for you and I because we, we, you know, if, you, if you have value, there's an assignment on it by the enemy. So you have value, so the enemy has an assignment on your life because he doesn't want you to have a relationship with God, much less walk in it, much less reach somebody else or anybody else. See, if you're a threat to the devil, he's gonna bring a storm in your life. If you step out in obedience to go reach somebody that's important to God and God will use you in it, he's going to try and keep you from it. But listen, understand something. God's promise to Jesus is promised to be in your boat. But listen, he doesn't even say every time, another storm, are you serious? You don't need another promise from Jesus when you gave your life to him. I don't need to promise my wife what's obvious. Jesus doesn't need to promise you what's obvious. In other words, I don't need to promise my wife when you wake up tomorrow, I'm going to be a 51-year-old white man. I promise. God doesn't have to promise you what's obvious. He's with you when you step out and make his priorities your priorities and you step out and you cross over to your calling. When that storm comes, he doesn't have to promise you again. Oh, I'm I'm there too, I'm there too. You just keep going. You just keep going. But listen, if you're living in your comfort zone, see, he's not called us to have a little slumber party in our comfort zone. He's called us to get in the boat and cross over. And so the enemy's gonna come in that moment, but what? But that man is so important, just like you are. But see, here's the thing. If you're not a threat, you're not, he's not going to mess with you. And that's why too many Christians just are content with him. But you're missing out on what God has. Let me say it this way. If I was to get a call today from the San Antonio Spurs and they were saying, hey, what? We need you to come suit up. And I'm like, this is Don Duncan, not Tim Duncan. And uh, I know we're a lot alike, but still. Uh, so let's say the Spurs suited me up. Let's say I went on the court and they suited me up. Can I tell you, there's no team in the NBA that's even going to cover me. Who's that little white guy over there? I don't know. Don't worry about him, though. They're not going to cover me. Why? I'm not a threat to them. In fact, they're going to say, hey, please give that white guy the ball. Give that little white guy the ball. Right? Hey, throw him the ball. They'll leave me open right under the basket. I'll go, here I am, here I am. Nobody's going to cover me. Why? Because I'm not a threat. But when you step out in your call, when you step out to cross over, conflict is going to come. But guess what? Because of what's so on the other side is so important to God. He's going to enable you to get there. 
See, it's not the what, it's the why. See, here's what we ask the question when we, when we tell the story. It's like, how will we survive? When the question would be, why will we survive? You know why we will survive? Because that man is so important. And if we're willing to be used by God and make his priorities our priorities, God will be there along the way. He didn't have to promise that. It's understood. That when you step out in obedience and you line your life up with God's life and you step out and you take that step and cross over to the calling, oh, you can bet conflict will come, but you can also bet Jesus is in your boat. Because you're important and so is that man. So here's what I believe when we look at this story too many times, and I have. In fact, I read it with different eyes today. I look at the story, teach a story, preach a story, and we all would identify. We've talked about some major characters already. We've talked about a demon-possessed man that cut himself and cries out in the night and is chained. We talked about Jesus. We talked about his disciples. But probably, probably, at least I'll speak of myself, when I read this story, the more I read this story, I'm finding out that I'm identifying with the wrong character. Because there's a lot of me that wants to identify a lot of time with Jesus. I need to get to the other side because there's people that need the ministry I have. I need to go rescue somebody. I need to go pray for somebody. A lot of us will identify with the disciples in the boat. And then that storm comes. We're in the midst of a storm. But God, we know you got us. We're going to the other side. But can I tell you probably, and I believe this, when we read the story, it is probably more appropriate to identify with the man on the other side. And you might sit here this morning and say, not me, because I don't live in empty tombs. And I'm not cutting myself. I'm not demon possessed. But can I tell you? We're probably more like that man than Jesus or the disciples in the boat because you can't sit here today and tell me it said the man lived in the tombs, lived among the tombs. You can't sit here and tell me that you don't live and play among dead things. I can't tell you that. And I don't mean that to be hard. I mean, I mean it to be truth today. And I can't tell you that there's dead things in your life that God doesn't want you to have any business with and we go and visit it again. And we go and pick it back up again. And he's like, why are you over there? Why are you doing this and that? What's going on with that? And I don't know that anybody in here, myself included, can tell you that we've never been in bondage to something, that we've never been chained to something, or we've never been out of control, that nobody can control us, or we don't have issues in our life that we can't even control, that we can't find, we can't find freedom from chains and bondage, we can't find freedom from the things that are in our life. I don't think anybody in this room can say, you know why I believe that? Because God told me, you all have issues. (laughs) Well, he told me everybody has issues, actually. Well, he's told me in the scripture that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we all have humanity. We all have things. See, we all find ourselves living and walking among dead things and we have no business being there. Dead ways, dead lives, dead sin, our old dead man. We all have in us things that if we don't deal with them properly become chains and shackles in our life. We all have things. And if I was to rattle off a name of them, I'd hit everybody in this room before I was done. It's the truth, myself included. The truth is probably we really identify more with the man than we do with the disciples or Jesus. But here's the thing, that man was important to God and so are you. See, because I can imagine Jesus walking up and that man coming and having this exchange with the demons and all that happened in Jesus' freedom. I can imagine Jesus standing before that man as he's on his knees and the demons speaking out to him, rebuking the the spirit and sending him off to the pigs. I can imagine Jesus saying, I crossed over this lake to come here. I crossed through a storm. You're not going to believe the storm that came. I faced wind and there was lightning and there was thunder and there was waves higher than the boat and the guys were frantically bailing it. I crossed over to come because you're so important. I crossed over to come because I love you. I cross over because you have value. And I can see if Jesus is going to cross over a lake and if he's going to go to a cross for you, how valuable are you to him? Jesus didn't say, I crossed over for that man, but I went to the cross for you. Why? Because you're important. 
doesn't matter if you've been running around in the tombs. It doesn't matter if you've had things out of control. Nobody can control you emotions. doesn't matter. You may not be physically cutting yourself, but you're doing things that bring hurt to yourself over and over and over again. It doesn't matter what you've done. I crossed over. I went to the cross because I love you and you are important to me. I love this picture. And so Jesus comes and frees the man. And so it's interesting in the story as it wraps up, then the man is freed and he's cleaned up. And you saw in the scripture where all of a sudden the pigs ran into the water and the people tending the pigs went to town and told everybody. Everybody came out and everybody's more concerned about the pigs than the man. And Jesus looks at the man when they ask Jesus to leave, you need to leave and get out of here. Jesus goes back to the boat. You can see his picture. This is funny to me. Jesus goes back to the boat and there's a man sitting in his boat. He's just like, what are you doing? And the guy's like, you're not leaving me here with these people, are you? <laughs> And Jesus says, no, man, you need to get out of the boat. I'm sending you back to these people. I'm sending you in there. Here's what's funny to me. It'd be like after today, if you were really blessed by the message, and I hope God and the Holy Spirit blesses you today, that if I walk out to my car afterwards, you're sitting in my back seat. <laughs> Number one, that'd be pretty creepy. And I have to call security on you, and they take you down. But anyway, so I was like. <laughs> but here's what I love about this. See, we live in a world today that doesn't understand Jesus. In fact, we live in a world today that's trying to Eliminate Jesus and God from everything. I mean, in our lifetime, we've never seen it like this. There's less and less people that'll believe in Jesus. And so here's a man whose life was changed. And the people tried to send Jesus away. The people are going to reject Jesus, but they'll receive you. So Jesus sends that man whose life was changed forever. He says, you know what? I can't go and they're not going to receive me anymore in this place. For whatever reason, whatever they've experienced, whatever they put greater value on, Whatever our culture and society has told them, whatever they're saying, whatever they're, they're, the government is you know, creating legislation for, whatever pop culture is saying, whatever the, the loudest major, minority, but whoever's speaking the loudest, however you want to say that, whatever it is today, whatever it is, they're not going to receive me anymore, but they'll receive you. And they'll see your changed life because you, so, you were so important to me. I changed your life forever. Now let them know that they're just as important. And so the man gets sent back to the people. His people. See, here's the thing. God will change you, but he may not change the environment. But you can. But you can. You're so important to God that if people showed up, no, let me say it this way. If Jesus showed up and walked the streets of your town, the halls of your school, the offices of your building or where you work, this world would reject them not paying attention to him. But you can come in there, a changed person, and tell the wonderful works of God, and let them see how you used to be to how you are now, and let them know that when there was no one that could do anything, nothing that could contain or constrain the things in your life, there was a man, Jesus, and he changed me. You're so important to God that he came to set you free. He crossed over the lake, or he went to the cross so that you could go to your cities and share the life, love, and power of Jesus. He needs you. You're important to God. I love that picture. I love that picture of God's love for humanity, for you, no matter what you've done. You may have been living in tombs, chained, restrained, out of control your whole life, but there is one that has the power to set you free, and his name is Jesus. You are important to him. And then 
He gives you a purpose in life greater than yourself so that once your life is changed, you can go change others. See, you go change the environment for Jesus and you just tell him what he's done in your life. See, when we start this weekend, amen, we start this weekend, a a series called At the Movies, Jesus taught in parables. It's a modern day parable. We're taking a popular movie, if you will. We're finding truths in there that we can relate to spiritual truths. It's where faith and film meet. It is an evangelistic tool. It is a way to get people that are lost and don't know Jesus to come and enjoy something that's not exactly churchy and just maybe will open their hearts up to know how important they are to God so he can come in and set them free. So go out into your Decapolis. Go out into the world with your changed life, having an encounter with Jesus. Get out of your tombs. Shake off the shackles. Shake off the chains. Walk in the freedom that God has provided for you and go change your world. You are important to God and so are they. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.